You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This show is Good Morning Comrade. Today we have in the studio, virtually of course, Scott, Aaron, and Robert. We also have a very special guest. Uh, we have Chef Edwin. How are you doing? Where, are you, where are you coming at us from? I'm in North Carolina right now. Nice. Oh, nice. Where oh, are, you, are you bracing for that hurricane or did it already pass you? I've never experienced a hurricane. I'm from New York, so... Oh, wow. Well, I'm you hoping for the best. You, need you, you weren't there for Sandy? Uh, we were all very surprised by Sandy. We went to sleep and we woke up and things were flooded. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> when does the hurricane ever what hit New York, right? Here? What happened? What happened? What is all this? New York doesn't... We, we try not to prepare. We're just like, oh, we just let it pass and then it passed. And it was the one time bad. New York slept... Yeah, it was very bad. <laughs> was, wasn't good. But uh, it was good. Yeah, Chef Edwin, uh, I saw you online. You shared a video of uh, of an owner talking about uh, not caring about uh, standards, like health code standards. We're we're gonna go right into it. Um, yes. Uh, you want me to talk about it? Because there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah we are we are we're pretty anti boss. A little bit like what do you do? What's your background a little bit and then we can get into that. Yeah, so I am a New York City chef. Um just moved out here to North Carolina, but I spent my entire career in New York. Um 70 restaurants, um every type of cuisine, Italian, French, American, Spanish, Mexican, everything. Um and 14 years, 14 years later, we're here. Um, I've been on Food Network, NBC, Telemundo, um, every food festival in New York. I've done a lot of them. Um, yeah, and now we're here. I like talking about the present. Um, we're here, love cooking. I love doing the vegan food now for the people. Um, working at, uh, when I was 22, I worked uh, for Gordon Ramsay at one of his uh, restaurants in New York City. I, and, I, I um, have a question about Gordon Ramsay. Is he cool uh, or is he like mean? Or is he so like he only had one restaurant um, in New York. So he barely was there. From mm-hmm. I didn't see sense. him. He was there in London. He has a couple restaurants. And around the world, he's had a couple restaurants. But in New York, it was only that one. So he's barely there. And it was only a licensing agreement. But uh, yeah. Um, uh, this is, that's probably the top question I get asked. And the thing is a lot of chefs act like that TV persona because <laughs> cooking, <laughs> I everything's confirm that actually from my experience in restaurants, it's just it Gordon Ramsay. That persona is just personified in a lot of chefs. And it existed before Gordon Ramsay was like a character. Yeah. My mom told yeah. me that when she was a waitress, like there was a chef that wouldn't give her her food orders. if She didn't flash him. So she like ended up Whoa. having a little work there. 
Whoa. This is like back in the 70s, but I mean, it's like, it's like not a super healthy environment. Yeah, that's a health code violation. We got a, we had a, say the least. At the pizza place I work at, we had a, a kind of old school chef, like an older guy. He had like big mutton chops and all this stupid stuff. But then like, he just started talking shit to like all the women who worked there and like wouldn't do the things he said. And he was like, dude, like the per- person who owns this is like a woman. Like you can't just like, like be a jerk like that. Like, like you don't, you don't even understand how like, like communities work. <laughs> like, yo, no. I, I think that we can talk kitchen stories people are so surprised when they don't work in the kitchen these environments are different yeah yes they are i actually came in in kitchens i came into like kitchen stuff like kind of like around when the kitchen confidential and that movie came out about working in the kitchen and how everybody just like is a jerk all the time so it's very much like that like frat energy when i started working there and it's like one guy uh one guy i know got fired because he put one of the one of the club salad, uh, I mean, one of the club sandwich uh, toothpicks Picks. inside a straw and shot somebody in the eye with it. What? <laughs> that's not funny, but that's kind of funny. Yeah, he got so, him. Like, they had to fire him. Yeah, but y'all don't have insurance, though, right? Yeah, that's why they fired him. Yeah, well, he mean, had to go. He probably should have <laughs> been fired even if you had insurance. That's like extra egregious. Yeah. Still, still. So, so, Kitchen Confidential, Bourdain, good? Very accurate. Very yeah. accurate. Yeah, I, I, I got that sense <laughs> myself. And like, I don't know, Bourdain was a really interesting character uh, as well. Just sort of like the way he would talk about food and places. Like he was not, he was kind of doing the tourist thing, but he was doing it in a very honest way. Like, hey, look at me. I'm being a tourist and I'm trying not to be an asshole. You know what I mean? Well, the thing that a lot of chefs admire about Bourdain is because is uh, the culture is crazy, but there are a lot of beautiful things about the culture. Being a chef, you always want to teach. It's a, it started as an apprentice um, um, job. So you always take someone under your wing and you want to show them all your recipes. You want to show them how to cut. You want to show them everything you can. So even though there are some negatives, there's some very beautiful things. And that's what Bourdain was doing when he's doing his show. He's just putting people on to all the different foods, all the different cuisines. And you learn so much about people through the food yeah you can learn about a whole culture through the food so those are some of the most beautiful things about being a chef and that's something that we admire about Bourdain. yeah Love he, was that. That's the whole thing. So, he was so good at talking about it go ahead aaron i'm sorry we're, we're based out of new orleans and um we so when he came down he loved new orleans and when he came down he had the yakamane ladies food um and apparently he really like so she's a local she's at all the festivals um I don't, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have like a, a storefront, but she's, you know, ev- you can order from her at any time. Um, and he like, after the show was done, like he kept in touch with her. Apparently he helped her um, like brand her food. Like she, he really, yeah, he did that. He, he was a mentor to her. And this was after he was already famous. Like the show had been going on for a long time. And um, she's pretty well known now. I think a lot of people, when they come to New Orleans, like maybe food. Um, Who's this? She just lives around and she's she's super sweet. Um, Drop a name. Drop a name. What's her name? Um, Linda, the Yakaman lady. That's beautiful. That's that is beautiful. That's one of the things about being a chef. You always pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The good, the bad chefs. Miss be- Linda, Miss Linda. Excuse me. I'm from the north, so I still haven't quite. No. A Miss in front of, but Miss Linda, the Yakaman lady. Why don't you get southern real quick right now? Yeah. Say y'all. Y'all, <laughs> it's gender neutral. I'm here for it. 
So thank you I'm for coming say- on the show, Jeff. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, no, thank you for having me. The chef thing is a very humble cuisine, uh, a very humble job. It, I, my attitude didn't change. You know, I've been cooking since I was 17 in New York City, started as a line cook. And then I got on TV and nothing really changed. It's the same thing. I'm just cooking food. Yeah, two more are people you, know you, you are. Are you a, like a, a food photographer as well? Because I'm looking at your social media and I'm like, um, I'm trying to eat that papaya like immediately that you had for breakfast. These pictures are... I'm, I'm, my girlfriend does, uh, handles a lot of my social media. My well, give her a raise. She's amazing. These look so <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Give your girlfriend a raise is what she just said. <laughs> give your girlfriend a raise. <laughs> and yeah. I'm in the back like, yes, raise. Emotional labor raise. is labor too. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh-huh. Just don't have me in hot water. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You didn't know this was gonna be a gotcha interview, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. So what brought y'all to North Carolina? Uh once again that goes to my girlfriend. Uh, she said, How much she said, How much is your rent in Williamsburg, New York? She said, You could get a mansion out here in the South. I didn't believe her. And then I came out here and I was like, Wow, it's true. Yeah, pretty much. New York is, I, I went to go visit my friend and she told me what she was paying for her rent and she literally was living in 180 square feet. And I was like, uh, what? How how could you possibly? Let's throw out numbers. I was paying twenty hundred for a one bedroom in New York, uh, no utilities, and it was just a one bedroom apartment. Um, it was it was in Williamsburg, very nice area, but twenty eight hundred dollars. That's how much New York rent. You know. Yeah. I mean that's ridiculous because oh. I used to live in I used to live in Biloxi, Mississippi, right on the beach for seven hundred dollars a month. <laughs> that was that was pretty much the best place I ever uh, had. Is that pre or post Katrina? Post. This was like way after though, yeah. like uh, Wait, ten years after. What, you, what what were you doing in Biloxi? It's working. I feel like every there. time the show, it's like he a worked at the Air Force Base. Yeah, he's the Air Force guy. He yeah. was at the that's Air right. Force Base. Oh that's no, right, right. that was when I stopped cooking for a while. But I'm back. He stopped that's cooking it. to be in the Air Force. Yeah, and to go on quit. Kuwait and Iraq. Is this is this a true story? It's usually reversed. I hire a lot of people out the armed forces, but they do the armed forces first. Uh, no, I did armed forces and I joined the military, and I was like, ah, this sucks. I'm gonna be in the, gonna be a line cook again. Yeah, yeah. So he started. So his first job in, <laughs> was back in the day in Slidell. We used to work at the same restaurants. That's my brother. Yeah. And we worked at the same restaurant down at the end of military, uh, Gaza Military Road in Slide L, uh, Schaefer's Restaurant. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's the world famous, <laughs> no longer there, Schaefer's. Heard. <laughs> beautiful Slide L. Beautiful Slide L, Louisiana. But uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a waiter. And, I mean, he was a waiter, and I, I used to wash dishes, so we just curse each other out every day. You, you did prep too. Yeah. Yeah, but we I, I, I would curse. Is that. Is that why this is such a, a toxic, broy environment? Is because you both worked in kitchens? We got a lot of kitchen why? in us. We got a lot of restaurant in us. Is that why I'm the only woman ever on this show? Yeah. Did, did you guys catch that famous movie? Um, everybody knows it. Who got in it? Got, Ratatouille. Uh, who? No, no, no. Ratatouille. No, no, oh, waiting, damn. Waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I was going to say much... that is like my actual only, because I never worked in kitchens. I always worked, my like school jobs were always, um, you know what I noticed about that movie though? They weren't stressed enough in that movie. They were just yeah. they weren't stressed enough. They were know. having a 
they were having a good time. Stressed. They weren't mm-hmm. they weren't being awful because they were miserable. They were being awful because they were like in a movie. Because but didn't they capture stuff. the funny moments perfectly? I feel like it was very in a sense they did. In a sense they did. That the the vibe I think they missed was the like constant only one of the characters was the one that was like there forever. She like been there for a really long time, yeah. and she was like the sort of like senior like shift lead or whatever employee. And then like um, everybody else is like everybody else is like off oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Wait, but Rob and Scott, nobody wants to see the stress that we really were in though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's not it's not good for the Hollywood movie. It's not Don't good sell. for the movies. And we'll talk. Um, can we get into this latest? My latest restaurant. Yeah, go nobody wants to see that so but uh, we'll talk about it so we had a owner oftentimes the owner and chef relationship is um is a lot going on it's very stressful it's a lot going on um why is that why is that because the chef is an artist and the owner is usually a business person or capitalist yes yes and um and then you have the customer who only cares about the food they just want to get served yeah um so oftentimes there's a misunderstanding between the two parties um so with um this latest endeavor we had a restaurant open up and we had the owner on camera stating he did not care about any food safety any regulations food being spoiled did not care he said i'm here to make money Mm -hmm. yeah um you know what that is the most honest thing that is the most honest thing that he could possibly say i suppose i mean like credit in a sense that (laughs) to that point however it's also reprehensible some questions yes bring it so lead us into this i'm assuming this is not the first time that he's been he or she or they have been sketchy because someone was filming so that that leads me to think that maybe someone knew this was gonna like come up so the me being in 70 restaurants his first restaurant it was his first restaurant i mean it's 70. it's how i paid for college how i got a mm-hmm. like bourdain i started from line cook sous chef Modern. executive chef consulting chef um no culinary school didn't get skipped through anything so i had to learn how to cut a chicken a hundred times a thousand times a beet a carrot an onion yeah. every place um, does it different <laughs> every every place does it different and it is great so i started 17 so i was i just learned from never stopped so we go in um his owner's first restaurant to take on a restaurant as your f- first time you got to learn alcohol you got to learn serving you got to learn food you got to learn everything you got a whole lot to learn um, so my man initially was listening towards the end, stopped listening so much. I'm from New York. So I get in North Carolina. It's a, it's a very rural part that I went to open this restaurant. It was very random. The entire community was like, where did you get a New York city food network chef to come and open this restaurant in the middle of nowhere? Um, but I, I took it on. Um, cause honestly, people are the same everywhere. I love people. I love cooking for people. It doesn't matter if it's my mama or for you guys or for people that are paying $300 for the plate. It's all the same thing. It's all the same. It's the same thing. 
standards. That's it. So <laughs> that's the kind of thing like, like I really like about like the three hundred dollar plate of the expensive re- restaurants or whatever is that like they're buying just prestige. They're buying something that isn't actually real. I mean, the food is not. It's good, obviously, but I mean, you're buying it to the point where you're buying it because it's expensive, not because it's you're, you're, you're consuming conspicuously. Now, Rob, hold on. The thing is that, you know, the rule is that from good to great is only 10% different. You can go to your favorite restaurant, you'll probably get good food. Just to get that extra 10% is, if you want to have caviar, paired perfectly with a wine, paired perfectly with a first course, yeah, you gotta pay. And it's and it, it's it's very difficult to get that 10%. Yeah, it's very it's like, difficult. I guess a lot of it is like, gotta do it finishing and like portion size and stuff like that. But it's, it's like. It's, it's, you see a photo. Most, uh, most photographers you say are in the 90%. Then you have a 10% that's just, just 10% better, just a little bit better. Yeah, you got to pay for it. There is a level to, um, but do you have to have that every day? No. Do you have to have it once a year? Possibly. Can you go your whole life without having that 10%? Sure. Who wants to have the best taco, a perfect taco? What's the big difference between a perfect taco and a good taco? It's not a big difference, but there is, that 10% does exist. So you do pay for it. Some people want the extra 10, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. We're uh, listening to Scott, Jeff, Aaron, and Robert. We also have a very special guest, Chef Edwin, on the show today. Um, I've also, so, I guess, extrapolate I mean, a little bit further on that dynamic that exists between the chef, who you described as an artist, and the uh, businessman who is usually the owner of the restaurant when they're not the same person specifically. So being in 70 restaurants, I've been able to analyze these situations and study these characters, study these owners, 70, 70 business owners, seven, at least. Cause sometimes the owners, there'll be like six of them in New York, the property costs so much to be seven owners with a, with a percentage. Um, oftentimes it's inexperience from these restaurant owners. When I worked for people like Gordon Ramsay, when I worked for Danny Meyer, when I worked for people that are affiliated with Thomas Keller, these are some of the best restaurateurs in the world. Um, the environment is very professional. And when I worked for these smaller business owners, oftentimes it would be like their first or second or third or fourth project. And a restaurant is just, um, that dynamic is just strained more in this age because the turnover in these restaurants is huge and people just don't have the experience. They're not taking restaurants um, seriously. They're difficult things to run. They're very difficult. So a lot of these people just open these restaurants just to open them. Yeah. Why do I see? I've sometimes, I've sometimes worked for people who like get caught up in the restaurant life. They like, like buying people free drinks and all that. And they like really get off on like the social status or whatever. Yep. And, yep. And, they, and then they just go under. that's when people start stealing. <laughs> yes. Yes. They'll open a restaurant and be like, Hey, I got a restaurant. You want to come hang out at my restaurant? It's like, no, this is the whole business. You got to relax. Yeah. Why so, do you think the turnover rate for workers is so high? Um, I don't want to fault just the business owner. The industry has also collapsed on itself. Yeah, well, it's a mod. It's a, it's not something that's um, unique to any individual 
like restaurant owner or whatever. It's just an industry-wide yes. sort of plague. Why do you think that that's the case? Why do you think that that, um, in, be it kitchens or service staff or, um, or uh, you know, front of the house, back of the house, all across the board, dishwashers, there is such a super high attrition rate that goes along with uh, being, you know, a part of a restaurant, like working at a restaurant. Cause I mean, I worked in that field for years and I mean, I did over 10 years in restaurants and it was, um, like a crazy number of people just would just be gone, you know, so quickly. It's the, it's the nature of the beast. It's the industry. Um, cooking, these restaurants are unregulated. So anyone can really like, for the most part, anyone can open a restaurant. Uh, anyone can, uh, be a chef. There are certifications for these chefs. There's a chef, all types of certification. But for the most part, when you're applying for these chef jobs, it's just come in, you know, come in and cook and you cook and you start from the bottom. Um, to open a restaurant, a lot of these restaurateurs just open the restaurant. Now, when I work with large restaurant groups, it's completely different. You have rules and regulations, you got a handbook. Um, but for a lot of these small restaurant um, owners, you know, when a lot of, I know in New York, when I worked in a lot of these restaurants, people just people just open a restaurant. They wouldn't even know what they're doing. No business plan. You know how many times I've seen a business plan in these restaurants? 50% of the time. 50% yeah. of the time in 70 restaurants that I see a business plan. A lot I'm of like, times the business you... plan is just open. <laughs> so that is um, now the future of this industry, I think, is finally catching up. It's finally catching up. People are like, we cannot treat our workers like this. Um, I know my conflict comes from being um, in between millennial you know, I embrace, I think that workers are your best investment. And a lot of times business owners do not think that, especially with restaurants and other industries. Yes. Um, so in this restaurant thing, you're dealing with people. It's a people industry. So it's not an exact science. So you're going to have high turnover. It's a, you got to be good with people. You have to be good with people. A lot of these business owners are not good with people. They go with business. It's not the same thing. So that's the problem. It feels like that is kind of a uniquely American issue because I know that, you know, I'm thinking about like kind of well-known food, foodie places like we'll say France or you know, places in Europe generally. You know, the idea like people are career servers and they are amazing at it and they'll, they work their whole lives as a server and they're good at it and they get respect because they're really good at their jobs. And I think that as far as in the, please stop me if I'm wrong, but in the U.S., the industry, it's okay. If you're a chef, you get respect. If you're a sommelier, you get respect. If you're a restaurant owner, you get respect. But if you are working as a, a server for 40 years, like that's not something to be considered. That's like, oh, working like front of house is something, an in-between job. Or if you're the head of a bar, that's a great job. If you're a bartender, maybe that's not as prestigious. So it's this weird idea that like all of these things are needed to make the restaurant run, but only certain roles are considered to be kind of actual careers versus like just transient positions. I think you hit on a very um, intellectual topic, Erin. Um, yes, prestige and like how the positions looked at. Um, yes, that I think that I haven't worked in France or England or Spain or any of these food capitals. I I I can only talk about New York. Yeah, when if you say I'm a bartender, people be like, so who cares? When you say I'm a Sommelier, they say, oh wow, you're a Sommelier. That's a very or, same I'm as a, a chef. Huh? 
I love words. They're so, they have so much power. Right, right. I mean, that I think that might be uniquely an American thing. In the kitchen, it happens too. If you're a cook, it's like whatever. If you're a sous chef, it's like whatever. It's like, are you the chef? Yes, I'm the chef. And it's like, oh, okay. But oftentimes, the sous chef and the head cooks are cooking more than me. When I turned as a chef, when I became a chef and I get my chef positions, I cook maybe 30% of the time. Yeah, the rest is like... Planning the planning the menu and stuff like that. Planning the menu, ordering the food, making sure that we have mm-hmm. our uh, Department of Health regulations. Training. I'm constantly training people, and then when press comes in, newspaper comes in, they want to talk to the chef. Press. Yeah, you're the manager, kind of. Yes. Yes. So that is the difference. Um, as a sous chef, I was probably a better cook when I was a sous chef than when I was executive chef because I was cooking every day. I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah, you're constantly um, thinking about like different flavors and stuff. Like, like as a sous chef, cooking all yeah. day, cooking all day. Even a prep cook, you could be prepping all day. I prep. I see every piece of fish that comes in here. That guy's a badass butcher. That guy mm-hmm. sees every fish before it touches the plate. <laughs> so, um, I think there's just misinformation. A lot of times, you know, digital age is still fresh and new. How many chefs do we have out there talking about what's really going on in the industry? Oh no, they're very much scared to lose their jobs. Like they're very, yeah. it's kind of like a loner kind of thing, like mindsets. Like, uh, what do I care about of some other kitchen? I was working mm-hmm. at a place and they had a, a like a, a group of uh, uh, like uh, local people who had the same job, like doing a march in the city, walked right by a restaurant. I said, hey, can we give those a pizza or something? Just to like support them. And like somebody else in the staff was like, what, what does that got to do with us? I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, like, like this yeah. is our wheelhouse. Like the, the industry, um, the industry is due for a makeover. And I, I, I think it's coming. Um, the chefs go through a lot. Restaurant owners go through a lot. Bartenders go through a lot. That stressful environment is just, it's a lot. But um, yeah. I mean, do, ask away. You got a chef here that worked in 70 restaurants. I'll clear it. I know you guys worked in a lot. I've seen a lot, bro. I never yeah, stopped. I worked straight it. through. Some, uh, give us some, some of the horrors, the highlights, the horror highlights. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, as, a, as a chef, uh, oftentimes on Monday you'll come in, and on Tuesday, if you're the new chef, the whole staff will quit. You'll have a whole oh, – you, yeah. you'll walk in. You'll be like, hey, what are the recipes? How do I run this restaurant? They give you a menu. Is it figure it out? Carbonara, you go into an Italian restaurant. We got pizza, we got appetizers, we got ensalada. We got, um, you gotta know how to make the carbonara, you gotta know how to make the, um, everything, everything. You got mm-hmm. calamari, no recipes. And you got service at the end of the day, mm-hmm. five o'clock. You come in what at happened? nine, there's nothing there. And what it, makes it, your whole staff quit? Oh, something well, happens over the weekend, anything. <laughs> anything but oftentimes when you have a new chef come in people are like i'm not working for that chef they'll be like if they if one if the head chef quits oftentimes the all the staff will go with them all very often it's a loyalty thing like a like a captain of a ship sort of situation yeah. yes. it's like now, somebody in a foxhole it's like i'm not getting a foxhole that guy because i have been in, i've worked in enough restaurants to know that like a lot of times there is sort of this building the building the plane while you're already trying to fly it sort of situation going like you just yes. make it till you make it and you just go <laughs> Plus, it's like social dynamics kind of like jacked up to 10 where it's like uh all, yes. this, all the slight little like like public slights that people take for granted like 
if you, if you're busy and somebody calls your name and you don't like turn around right away, they could be like, oh, this motherfucker. They just think they're so special. So what happens? The chef, it, it, when you're working in the kitchen, it's so hot, it's so stressful, so many hours. So if you have your chef, let's say Chef Edwin, people love working with me. Uh, initially, I had to learn how to be a good manager, and then as I got older. And I love, I just love what I do. I love teaching people. I love teaching you how to use this knife, how to cook. People love working for me. If something horrible happens with me in the kitchen, let's say the owner treats me unfairly, my staff is probably going to leave with me. I Now, as a chef, you know, as a reputable chef, I usually turn around. I say, hey, guys, you guys got to stay here. Uh, stay here. Work with this guy. And then if it doesn't work out, then I'll then I'll hire you. But I never try to poach the staff because that's unfair to the customers. And that main thing is unfair to the customers. Customers are coming in trying to get a hot plate to eat, and you're gonna take the whole staff with you. That's crazy. But oftentimes people will love the chef so much they'll leave with you. Um, it's not your fault either for being good for for right? like developing loyalty amongst the people that you work with. That's a natural thing to do. Yeah. Hold on. The only thing I did mention in the kitchen is super hot, super stressful. So these people do, uh, sometimes they make irrational decisions. At least in New York, they're not working 40 hours. A lot of times these guys are working 60, 70 hours. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different environment than sitting in an office and working 40 hours and being like, hey, do I quit? After yeah. 60, hours, 60 hours a week working in 90 plus degree weather, people act irrational sometimes. There's like a natural like divide between the front of the house and back of the house sometimes, like less now than you used to be, but like sometimes like somebody's not getting tipped well, so they'll just be, they'll just be real like aggro and like, that like kick something off, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And the unorganized places, in the organized places, like I said, there's systems in place. So for example, in an organized place, before service starts, say we have, we open the restaurant at five o'clock, Four o'clock, I'll have a meeting with everybody. I'll be like, hey, what's up, guys? This is the food that we're serving today. This is how much it costs. This is, we'll walk through it. This is the wine that you can sell with it. This is what I want you to push. These are the specials. And everybody's happy. Everyone eats together. Um, Restaurants, at the end of the day, we have to remember are small businesses. They don't get the assistance that a lot of these big companies get. There's a lot of, oftentimes, there's no stocks getting pushed within those small restaurants. There's no... Uh, preferred loans there's these guys are struggling so it's really makeshift and make it work make it happen chef i know you guys have heard those words before oh, just, yeah. make it just make it happen also have you gotten any pushback from your um, your business owner your boss i guess for posting that video and for kind of making your concerns known because i know that the i've seen a lot of different stories on you know twitter and around where Someone say, hey, don't go to this restaurant. Staff has tested positive for COVID and they haven't cleaned and then they face repercussions. So are you kind of insulated from that because of your position or how does that work? No, that that so that particular uh, situation, I have been someone seeing workplace abuse. You know, I'm Puerto Rican. Um, so I, I learned in these kitchens speaking Spanish. Um, first generation um, here that 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 educated here in New York City. And my first language was Spanish. So when I started in these kitchens at 17, most of the workforce workforce was um, Spanish speaking. And I would see the abuse constantly on this immigrant workforce in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so from a young age, I always try my best to stand up for the minority. If it wasn't someone that was actually 
um, disabled. Maybe they had a uh, mental, maybe they do something uh, uh, as, as small as undiagnosed anxiety to something that was diagnosed. And I'm seeing that how the staff is treating these people. I've always stood up for the, when I say the minority, I mean, that's the minority I mean. I'm talking about the dishwasher. That's like, Eddie, I'm getting paid minimum wage. I can't um, afford to pay my rent. I can't get something to eat. Can I get more hours, chef? Always stood up for those people. I said, I go to the owner. I say, I got to give this guy overtime. He can't even make it to work. He don't got no money. Can we pay him his check beforehand? So I've always stood up for the minority. The dishwasher who's like, bro, I don't speak any English. I'm, I speak Spanish or I speak French or I speak an African dialect or maybe any any language. Um, I've always looked out for those people. Always, always, always. Or chef, I want to learn how to cook. I'm, I'm 18. They only let me be dishwasher. I say, bro, come over here. Sit next to me. I'll teach you how to make all these dishes. So as a chef, and now that I have a platform after being on TV, mm-hmm. I always try to push that fairness because there's a lot of, un, it's, it's not right. And in 2020, I love that the world is people speaking up. So in that particular circumstance, you're telling, you're saying that you're going to feed the customers rotten food. That, that is not okay, period. If I'm on TV or not, now I just have the platform. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. So the owner saying uh, the only reason so it was recorded because we were having um, I go in that day for a meeting and the owner is is just acting, acting up. Thank God my girlfriend was there. That was just a manager meeting. So that day there was no staff. It was just a manager meeting between me and the owner. So we went there to discuss a couple things. But as soon as I get there, the owner is um, starting to act up. After working at 70 restaurants and seeing all the craziness, I said, my girlfriend starts recording. I'm like, you might have to record this because this this might get crazy. So people, oftentimes people don't even know what's going on in these kitchens. So what you got on recording is literally the normal stuff that happens oftentimes in a lot of these restaurants. And we just so happen to get it on camera. So um, we have on that camera, we have um, him stating, we don't care about the customer and having uh, um, uh, food that is all types of uh, violations. Um, that snippet, I had went that morning, I had sent him pictures of all the food and I said, hey, there's a lot of uh, food safety violations. We need to close the restaurant. We need to open an hour later. He mm-hmm. said, I don't care. We need to have the restaurant open. I need to make money. I said, listen, health department comes right now. They're going to shut the restaurant down. You're not going to make any money. So I'm coming from a business point of view. You get from, they'll shut it down for a week and you'll get a B, you'll get a B, C, and people, every time they come to your restaurant, they're gonna see a B or a C. So mm-hmm. I was coming from a business point of view. That's crazy. Every time someone comes to the restaurant, they see a C, they're not gonna wanna eat there. C's are very rare, um, at least from what I've seen. B's are somewhat rare too. It's usually an A or, you know, or nothing. So I'm coming from a business point of view on that. And um, and we just caught it on camera. And on top of that, we have work workplace harassment. We have a bunch of stuff on that on those tapes that were terrible, very terrible things. I mean, I've been in a situation like that. Like I currently work in a pizza place, so I got to use my hands a lot. I'm always in the dough, always in like the flour and stuff. And one time, I cut my hand really bad, and I was like, "Hey, I can I cannot go like finish this. Like I I have to leave early tonight because I can't like." 
work with the dough because my hand isn't like can't work with bloody dough. Yeah, yeah, like, bloody dough. Like this is bad. And my my boss was like, "Yeah, you're right. We're just a bar for the rest of the night. Like, just clean mm-hmm. up your station. We're good. Like, like yeah. being a chef is a public health like position." <laughs> You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This show is called Good Morning Comrade, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, we have Scott, Jeff, Robert, and Aaron on the show. We also have a very special guest, Chef Edwin, uh, joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I have a question. Uh, and you say you've worked in a lot of restaurants, and we're a very pro-worker show here, very pro-union show. And I, I do want to ask uh, if you have any experience working with any of the unions in uh, your experience and how has that gone? Um, would uh, more worker, um, would, would more worker uh, representation and power sort of help that um, help, help to make these sort of standards better? Because I mean, my instinct is that work in, I mean, unions are there to make everything safe for workers and for the people that they're doing work for. So there's more work to have going down the line, right? Yes. Um, I have worked with union and union kitchens and they're completely different. Gordon Ramsay's was a union kitchen at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. Unions are there from a, um, from a manager point of view and from, um, um, uh, uh, people, the kitchens that are not union, um, unions are demonized. And that's, they're demonized. They're, 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 they, they say the workers are not going to work as hard. Um, and I've worked in those kitchens yeah. and that doesn't make any sense. It's like, hey, these guys are union. They want break. Yeah, bro. You should give your workers break. It makes them more efficient. A hundred percent. Everybody needs a smoke break, even if you don't smoke. <laughs> yes. It's everyone needs a break. Like you cannot just work 14 hours in a row or 10 hours in a row or even eight, even eight hours. You should have a short break. Um, so when I used to manage a lot of these cooks that were union, um, it was different. It had to be a completely different management style. So for you to ask me that, I feel like you've worked somewhere. You, you have experience in union and non-union. I don't have a restaurant uh, experience myself, but I do have some, uh, some friends who I've had uh, shared experience with. Um, now I have worked in different union workplaces and non-union workplaces and there, there are market differences, but, but my, my not, I have not worked in a service industry job that was union specifically because in the South, that's just very rare. Uh, so I live in new Orleans area. There's only two, uh, hotels, in the area that are organized by Unite Here Local 23, uh, which is fantastic. I love them. We love them. We're very here for them. Uh, I appreciate that. I like that. I like the unions. Yeah, and and, and they have two, the Hilton and the Lowe's Hotel down here, and I tell people go to those places because that's where, uh, and I have friends that were organizers for them. Lowe's Uh, is nice. And and, and, uh, I, I, I do think that because I haven't been experienced necessarily that specific difference in a, uh, in a service setting in my experience, which is over 10 years. Um, I just want to know a little bit more about the difference in dynamics. Because- Absolutely. I'll break it down. So boom, mm-hmm. a cook comes in, I can tell you very specific back out cook comes in union coming on time, probably given a chef coat, probably mm-hmm. have pants, probably have chef pants and a chef coat. Um, has a schedule that mm-hmm. is um, 
an actual schedule. Oftentimes when it's not union, it's just like, hey, can you come in at 11 today? Can you come in earlier? Can you come in yep. at 2? Um, their seniority, when I've worked uh, union, when I've worked hotels and hospitals, there's cook one, cook two, cook three, there's tiers. Um, and another restaurant, it's just, you guys are just hands and you can leave if you want and we'll just hire somebody else. Um, there's no paid time off, zero paid time off in 90% of the restaurants I worked in, um, 95%. Um, no break. You literally, if you are very, 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 very good at your job and you somehow get everything done, you might be able to eat in the corner on top of a crate for like five minutes. Um, there's no regulations. You can end up, I worked one day from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. straight on uh, no break. Yeah, crazy. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so a union protects these workers from things that are pretty standard in a lot of other jobs. Um, I've worked four months in a row, literally seven days. Um, in a union, you can't do that. Um, so yeah, I'm very pro-union. And um, that's why the turnover is so high, because people will work three months in a row. Three months at a restaurant working seven days is a long time. If you're mm-hmm. working seven days, 20-hour days, 18-hour days, 14-hour days, seven days for three months, after three months, you kind of almost did, like, almost a year. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm out of this. Um, so that's why the turnover side, they kind of just try to, at least in New York, it's almost like a meat grinder. But no, there that's are the thing down here. That is a very appropriate word, a like, way to describe it, like meat I'm, grinder. Like, I've never worked on Bourbon Street, but, like, I've heard all the stories about just how, like, burned out these people get and just awful, like, oh, man. Uh, but, like, it, you're, you're right. I've never worked at a place that I'd pay time off. I worked at a place that gave me free chef pants. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it just grinds you down, and if they don't need you, they, they kick you away. It's great. Love that job. <laughs> yep. So many Sad. mentally ill people in that field. <laughs> It's kind of how it is. For my young chefs, the way I got around it, one of the keys was I never took a job um, for the pay when I was younger. I always took the job to learn. So I it, I started 17. I'd go, i say, hey, listen, if you're going to put me through the mill, I never did the same thing twice either. If I worked at an Italian restaurant for a year, the next year I worked at a German place. The next year I worked making sushi. The next year I worked making pizza. So if they're going to put you through the meat grinder, you got to spin it on them and do something that you didn't do before. So if you're going to work me seven <laughs> days, I'm going to do dessert this year. So I really did very well at that. I'm going to do high volume. Now I'll do Gordon Ramsay. After Gordon Ramsay, ask me where I went. Overnight doing pizza. I learned how to do Neapolitan pizza. Um, that so, was good. Yes. And I, it was a New York. Um, 14th Street, which is kind of like the, the 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 mecca of, of immigration right there. Mm-hmm. And we had an Italian dude straight from Naples coming in with a foreign exchange. We had like a contract with like a foreign exchange um, college in Naples. Uh, and when I say a contract, I mean just like one guy came from Naples and he called his friends and he'd be like, hey, <laughs> after yeah. three months, he'd go back to Naples and he'd bring somebody else in. And they'd be like, you guys are paying me to do pizza? We do this all the time. Well, so... That's how um, I kind of got away from being thrown in the meat grinder. I would go, I would always choose a job that I do something new. Always. Keeps it fresh. Always. Always. 
Go ahead. So, Chef, so kind of speaking about immigration, and you were saying earlier that there are kind of a ton of workplace abuses happening just because there are so many undocumented people working. Uh, and I know that there is specific, I mean, obviously there's um, like awful racial dynamics in the rest of the country, but a lot of that plays out pretty visibly in the restaurant industry. I know a lot of times like front of house, kind of the higher paying, like higher tip earning um, positions mm. white. And then anybody who's not white in a lot of places end up being back of house. Is that still the case? Is that changing at all? And um, it, yeah, it's, kind of, what, are, what are your feelings? It's the, it's the case. Um, I feel like right now um, people are covering that. People covering that. I try to give people the tips that are not being spoken about. I try to give people tips. Like it's horrible. A lot of things that are happening. The tip around it is like what I just said. I try to focus conversation on that. If they're gonna abuse you, let's say uh, when workplace it started with uh, Spanish speaking, then um, you had a lot of Spanish speaking immigrants, and they would be like, "Hey, um, this job's better. Let's go over here." So then after Spanish speaking the workforce, it was a lot of French that I saw coming in. French, there's a smaller amount of people that are speaking French mm -hmm. um, or African. So uh, the, the dialect from where, where they are in Africa. So after Spanish speaking people will be like, yo, this is too abusive, we're out of here. They get the next immigrant force to come in. And when I was there, it was French in New York. It'd be a lot of French, a lot of Muslims coming in. Um, and you kind of just gotta, if this is how you're gonna treat me at the job, you kind of got to use the job the best way you can. So if I would have a dishwasher come in and he didn't speak any English and he would be abused, I'd be like, hey, work work your way up. I'll teach you how to move up and cook because at least cooking's a step up from dishwashing. So, I mean, it does play out. You try to do your best to get around it. Once again, this is why, this is how you guys found me because I always try to stand up for the minority. Um, yeah, it's a doggy dog world. It's not, the kitchen is not a place that it's very fair either. Um, but on a positive note, I do say that in the kitchen, when kitchens are run beautifully, it is a, um, it's a beautiful thing. You don't, there's no color in the kitchen. It's almost like, um, yeah. oftentimes they say sports unites people. When you're cooking 90 degrees next to someone sweating, it don't matter if it's a man, woman, black, white, old, young, y'all all there to get out of the weeds. We call it the weeds in the kitchen, mm -hmm. get out the shits together. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's one of the things that keeps me in this industry. And one of the things that I do love is that it doesn't, when you're in it together, you guys all got to accomplish the same mission together. So there are kitchens that are beautifully run. I tell you that, you guys can't have faith. There are kitchens that is beautiful. There's no color. There's no, it doesn't matter if this guy's rich. That's the celebrity chef. Guess what? He's cooking right next to the immigrant that just came over here. And we're doing the same thing. And we all got to work together. If we don't find a way to work together, the kitchen goes down. Yeah, so. yeah, that is that is a common thing when it comes to work. I find like when people are, are are on the same page and when they're doing the same thing, the thing that unites us, not the fact that who's getting the benefit of the work—that's most of the time the boss—but the people that are coming together and doing the thing that is that is producing the thing all of the workers doing the thing whether whatever you are you know race whatever gender whatever rich poor whatever like 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 that is the thing that brings people together the fact that you are actually doing the 
freaking work. And like, that's the thing that matters the most. Yeah, yeah. we should all be, you know, we should all be that's looking beautiful. out for the people who, cause we all love going to restaurants. I mean, we're millennials. It's our favorite thing to do. Um, and we should be just making sure that we're, you know, when these kind of workplace abuses are brought to our attention, we, you know, we hear them and we, we react whether, you know, it's a boycott, which, or if it's, we just need to call or whatever we need to do. So well, what are, what are our calls to action for? Aaron, I'll tell you this. So now that I have a bit of a platform, one of the reasons that I did post that video and I've been marketing it is I had a um, pastry chef, beautiful young lady came to work for me. Cause when I interviewed them, I interview everybody. I say, Hey, listen, I'm involved 70 hours a week. I'm here. I will make sure that you guys are not abused. I will make sure that everything's fair. I'll make sure that I'm here 70 hours and you guys are doing less work than me. I love doing this. I'll take care of you. People love working for me. So in this latest episode of Kitchen Nightmares Real Life, um, this young lady sexually harassed at the job, told the owner, owner ignored it. I was not present when it happened. She came in there to work with me, admired my work ethic, admired, you know, my pedigree, everything I came from. She came to work with me. A week after working there, she had to quit. She quit. She no longer works there. She quit. And she's no longer cooking anymore. Now she's working at, she's trying to work at a museum. So because she was sexually harassed, because there was so much dysfunction in the kitchen. So we have to, I appreciate you guys for having me on the show. Mm -hmm. We have to be vocal about as leaders in our field. If you're a leader as a chef or you're an intellectual and your mind, just you, you are able to identify on um, these things that are not okay. You have to make it public. You have to make it public. And if you don't want to take that stand, find someone that'll do it for you. So when I sacrifice my job to speak about all this workplace harassment that's going on there, the, the, the spoiled food going out to customers, that's not okay. But it's a, I don't, not everybody can be outspoken like that because guess what? You end up without a job during Corona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, ain't a lot of places hiring right now. No, nah, not a lot of places hiring. <laughs> but it, 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 for the people that do speak out, it's very admirable. I appreciate you guys for bringing me on the show and for talking about that and, and stressing those issues. Yes, it's you gotta, you gotta. If you're not vocal, these people continue doing it. If it's not sexual harassment, it's abuse on immigrants. It's abuse on if you don't speak the language where you're at. It's abuse on if you're poor, you got to just take whatever I'm paying you. It's abuse on you don't want to lose your job, so you're scared. There's all types of abuse. You, so you got to speak it. up. Just whatever people. weakness you can identify in somebody, it will be exploited. Uh, you know yes. what I mean? And if, if that's something that's happening, I didn't mean to interrupt like that. Seek, out, seek out the organization in your city that can help. So we're in New Orleans. We have Congresso, the day laborers. Um, they can help with that. They have attorneys. They have a lot of really great resources. And so a lot of times, um, especially people who are, you know, don't speak English who aren't, aren't documented, they might feel like they there aren't places to turn to. And, you know, in a lot of places there are. And so it's, it's important that getting that information out there, knowing that, hey, if you speak up, people will have your back. That's kind of where we all come in as consumers if we're not working in these these places. It's just, it's important. This is 
you know, we, we care about each other and we really want, we really want everybody to do, to be doing well. And I mean, times out there really easy thing to do also is if you get treated bad somewhere and you see something you don't like, just talk about it. Like the worst thing you could do is talk about it. Cause like how many rep- restaurants like stay open on reputation? Like just, just like well, mess, the, mess them up, mush them. <laughs> the people do not, I say this, the people do not play that shit in 2020. Yeah. If women, women are getting sexually harassed. A lot of the restaurants that I work for came under huge sexual harassment suits and those restaurants don't exist anymore. If people, the people don't play that. The people are being more vocal about it and I love it. I love to see it. Um, you have to continue doing so. Cause if you don't talk back to these bullies, they continue being bullies, you know? So I love it. The people, the people, the people know what's up. People that are antiquated in their business styles are being outed every day. Yeah. Tess, no where can me. we find you online? So you can find me on my website is www.highkeynyc.com, highkeynyc.com. And I'm all over Twitter, same thing, same handle, highkeynyc underscore. Um, And my Instagram, highkeynyc underscore. So all the same, Um, I have a YouTube dropping, not only for giving uh, free vegan recipes, but also for talking about the things that are happening in these restaurants that a lot of people don't know. Um, Along the way, I want to say I've met a lot of great chefs, a lot of great business owners, and I don't want this experience to sour uh, what I think about the industry. I think being a chef is one of the most beautiful things. You get to cook for your parents, you get to cook for your loved ones. It's a beautiful thing. It's the most humbling thing. Food has no racism. Food has no classism. Food has nothing. It's just... I cook for you. It's the, it's, it's, it, you make people so happy. I've cooked for the richest. I've, I've, I've been at places we've cooked for uh, Hillary Clinton. We've cooked for uh, one night on Monday, we cooked for Hillary Clinton. On Tuesday, we cooked for Cameron the rapper. Um, oh, nice. It just, dipset. Dipset all day. So it's just, <laughs> and on Wednesday, we're cooking for, um, a drunk party goer and on thursday we're doing charity for the homeless people so like cooking is a beautiful thing i always love that i love that about my career so question just really quick yes one of the things that i really appreciate and i find that's really interesting in uh restaurants that it's not everywhere is like the idea of family meal um is that something that you uh, mandatory it's mandatory 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 when i'm working Okay, tell me about Mandatory. it. So, so what is family fam- meal first? Family meal is beautiful. Family meal is beautiful. Family meal is beautiful. So family meal usually is served at about 4 o'clock. You go in the kitchen. You find some things that are on their um, last two legs. When I say that, I mean the restaurants I've worked in, um, when I'm working, quality has to be top. I might have some salmon or chicken that... I need to cook in the next 48 hours. Yeah, maybe throughout bad. the week. Maybe throughout the week. Huh? Before it goes bad. Before, yes, before it goes bad. Not when it goes bad. That's when you're Obviously doing bad not. things yeah. with family. It's crazy. You have some muscles that are beginning to open up. So you're like, okay, family meal, we're going to get some muscles with some lemongrass, with some rice. Um, very cheap. It's a beautiful thing. We all sit down. So you cook. Um, best restaurants I worked at, I'd cook the steak the steaks that we have or the chicken, the protein, I'd have an intern 
cook the rice or something. I have another cook cook the soup or the sauce that goes with it. Family meal learning time. in this process. Yes, you experiment. A lot of times, oftentimes the chef doesn't cook. I've cooked it. I'll go do paperwork. I'll be like, hey guys, you guys want to make a nice lemongrass mussels? Go wild. Now's your time to. Now's your time to experiment <laughs> with it. I mean, you wanna... you're already in industrial kitchen. Like, how often you can just do stuff like that? Yes, yes. So you cook for everybody. You maybe maybe uh, someone's got a crush. Maybe you're dating a server or something. You're like, what do you want to eat today? You want chicken wings? Okay, we'll make sure we make chicken wings. So, family meal. Everyone takes one 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 part of the the dish. One protein, one starch. Maybe someone will make the drink. You make the lemonade. You make the horchata. So everyone takes one component. Takes about an hour while you're prepping up for for service. You come out. Usually it's done around four o'clock. Why? Because dinner is usually around five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So at four o'clock, everyone's coming in and the morning people are leaving. So the morning people, Everybody's before in. they leave and go home, they can sit down and eat. And the people that are coming in ready for dinner can sit down and eat and everybody eats together. Usually in New York, the restaurant might be closed from four to five because no one really is coming to eat mm-hmm. from four to five. And yeah. you sit down, you eat it's together, like the, you eat free. It's like those sushi restaurants that close from like four to four to six or something like that. Just because like, I don't know, they got to put it back in the fridge or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess- That's so amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's such a beautiful. Cool. It, 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 it's a one the experimentation piece that you talked about. Two, it's the not wasting thing piece, which is like so critical. And then three, it's that everybody does it together. That's such a beautiful thing to me. You know? Everybody eats, and then you get your break before it gets busy. So yeah. the best thing is you get to eat. You get to sit down. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's bonding. And then we're all going to take out this rush together. It builds everybody's bond with one another. You know, that's, that's unity, you know, whether or not you have a union or whatever. It's, 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 it's like you were talking about the work brings people together and the, that's part of it. Um, I guess we're going to start into, uh, wrapping up real quick. But if there's anything you want to say on your way out, Chef, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate talking with you and I hope you come back sometime. Uh, I'm looking forward to your YouTube. I, I appreciated all three of your viewpoints. I appreciated you talking about pro workers. Love that. I'm people over profits, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I'll be involved in any, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm involved 100% in any charities. If, mm-hmm. I'm in the, if I am in your part of the world, I will do the charity. I will, my services are 100% free if it's for a good service, if it's for mm-hmm. a good cause. Um, and the YouTube's gonna be out because I think it's very rarely to have a chef who's worked at 70 restaurants, 17, started 17 years old, now I'm about to be 32. So it's almost 14, 15 years in this industry and it's all true. I um, am a very fair person, so I always tell it like it is. Cool, man. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Very cool, yeah. very cool. And thanks for putting, your, thanks for putting yourself out there and, and bringing into what was you know a really bad situation. So we really mm-hmm. appreciate yeah, respect, like, so much respect, my friend. And uh, you can listen to Good Morning Comrade every Tuesday on WHIVFM on, uh, online at whivfm.org slash listen. You can also listen to us online, whivfm.org um, slash good hyphen morning half comrade and get more information about our show at uh, goodmorningcomrade.com. So uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Chef. Thanks to the crew. I uh, love you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, comrades. Bye.